It's about progress. It's not about perfection. So most of us, we grew up playing a sport or learning to play an instrument or both. And our teacher or our coach always said, practice makes perfect, which is perfectly wrong. It should be proper practice leads to progress and improper practice can lead to the wrong kind of permanence or problems. That's one small step for man. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. We choose to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they are I have a dream. You can't handle the truth. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Super You Podcast. It's the podcast designed to unlock and unleash your superpower. I'm Jake with Equal Man Studios. This week's quote, and this is one of my personal favorites, everything you've been through has prepared you for what you've asked for. Today, we're sharing a virtual event and Q&A by Equal Man from the LinkedIn live event presented by the keynote curators. Eric shares his journey to becoming a five-time number one bestselling author and motivational speaker. He offers useful tips and tricks from his new book, The Focus Project. Eric discusses stepping into discomfort, the three P's, how to better manage your time in the world of post-COVID, and why you should think big versus busy. Thank you to those of you who purchased The Focus Project and special shout out to our reviewers on Amazon. We so very much appreciate the kind words and feedback. You can order a copy of The Focus Project on Amazon right now and harness the power of focus. And thank you to all of our listeners of the Super You Podcast. Please continue leaving reviews. They help us improve the podcast. Reach out and let us know if you enjoy the format, the music, if you have any ideas for future guests. Should we have an episode where readers and listeners call in to ask Eric questions? You tell us. So again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Super You Podcast featuring Eric Wallman on LinkedIn Live, presented by the Keynote Curators. Hello, everybody, and happy Friday to you all. We are thrilled and excited for today's LinkedIn Live session about the power of focus for meeting professionals. I'd like to introduce our speaker, the number one best-selling author and keynote speaker, Eric Qualman, who has performed in over 55 countries and reached 50 million people. He was voted the second most likable author in the world behind Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling. He is the host of the popular Super You podcast, and his work has been used by the National Guard, NBC Universal, NASA, to name a few. We are honored to have him here today. Eric, would you please join us? Thanks, Seth. Great to see you. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for the friendship. Thanks for the partnership. And um, thanks for all you miracle workers out there. Many of you have worked with. So thank you for everything they do for me and my family when we do an event together. But uh, it's such an honor to be here. And if it makes sense, Seth, I can go ahead and just start getting into my story and then we'll go into Q&A. Yes, let's go ahead and do that. I just wanted to let everybody know for the Q&A, feel free to drop in any questions in the chat. Why don't you go ahead and take it away, Eric? 
All right, we're going to talk here today, really relevant, especially as we kick the year off, and especially in the event industry, all around the power of focus. And it relates to my new book, The Focus Project, which we'll get into in a second. But first of all, I want to tell a little bit of my story, just because my story is your story. I do believe that we're all living the same movie. We're just different actors and actresses within that movie. And obviously, we're shared spirits because we work in the same industry. And so it'll be really relevant for what we talk about here today. But I haven't always worn these crazy green glasses, but since birth, I have always been called Eric Qualman. And when the digital age arises and need email addresses, my email address has always been first initial, last name. So that's equal man. And for the first 15 years of my career, I didn't like that name. I didn't like that moniker. You can imagine you go into a meeting uh, when I was at Yahoo, going to a meeting and they go, Oh, well, we need some coffee. Equal man, he must be super fast. He's got that superhero name. Maybe he can go get us some coffee. Or later on, you're crunching numbers for Wall Street to come out on Monday and they go, Oh, we gotta, we gotta crunch these numbers over the weekend. Well, Equal Man's got that Equal Man name. He can crunch those numbers this weekend. And so I'm telling the story too, so you don't do what I did, which is resist my story for 15 years, which is easy to do. Uh, but then I got lucky. A moment of time happened and I got really lucky. And then I realized something that this was happening for me, not to me. And so what transpired was I was one of the books, I think it was Digital Leader was doing well and they did an interview and they wanted to do a cover shot. And so for that cover shot, they said, hey, we wanna have some fun with this. Do you mind with your name, your moniker, Equal Man, do you mind wearing some Clark Kent like Superman glasses? And I go, yeah, let's, let's have some fun, whatever helps. And they go, well, it's our St. Patrick's Day edition. Do you mind if they're bright green? And I go, yeah, whatever, we, we can do that, it sounds fun. So we do that, I don't think much about it. And then a couple of weeks later, I fly to Kenya to give a talk. Um, I always arrive the night before because I wanna kind of figure out whether it's the city, that country, what makes it tick before I get in front of the audience. And so that evening I was going to a local rescue shelter to adopt a baby cheetah. Uh, not to take home, my wife would kill me, but uh, just to kind of support the local area. On the drive over, the lady that I'm with, uh, she says, hey, you know, when we're at the shelter, if you don't mind, we'd, we'd like to film you. Uh, we had Usain Bolt, the Olympic sprinter here two days ago, and he adopted from the same litter of cheetah that you're going to adopt from. And so do you mind if we film you and help raise, marry that footage together and help raise more money for the shelter? And I go, great, you know, whatever it takes, we're happy to do it. And then she pauses and looks at me and goes, but obviously when we're filming, we want to make sure that you're wearing your green glasses. And I looked at her and I go, oh, I don't wear those all the time. I look foolish walking around wearing bright green glasses all the time. And then the look on her face, that look of disappointment, I never wanted to see that look on anyone's face again. But it was a moment for me to realize, wait, instead of asking why am I equal man, it's like, what should I see here? And the key was, hey, this isn't happening to me. It's happening for me. It's time to step into my true story. And yes, it is uncomfortable sometimes wearing bright green glasses. But the key is I always, as a Midwesterner growing up in Detroit, is I always reflect back and go, if wearing these glasses helps one other person, just helps empower them to their best life, just by wearing these glasses helps one other person, then it's worth any discomfort that I'm going to walk in. And when we talk about discomfort, is the key is, I hope you step into your story. Some of you already stepped into it, but I want you to step fully into your biggest chapters this year in 2022. And so that's gonna be uncomfortable at first, 
But long-term, speaking from experience, it's the most comfortable place that you can live. So switching gears quickly, as we look at that discomfort, obviously the last two years, we've kind of been living in discomfort. But the key is to not ask why, it's to ask, what am I supposed to see here? So before the pandemic, top talk, I speak on digital leadership, all of a sudden gasoline on the fire, hyper accelerates everything seven years, that becomes white hot. But more importantly, I was in the midst of writing a book on focus, because when I'd sit down with all these companies and all these leaders and event planners is in professional meeting, meeting professionals, miracle workers, we'd kind of ask, you know, you're pretty successful. What's the key to your success? And they'd say focus. And I go, what prevents you? What's the thing that would prevent you from being successful? And they go strain from that focus. So basically two sides of the same coin. And I was struggling with it as well. I'd be like, man, I control my own schedule, but why every day is my hair on fire at the end of the day? It's rinse, wash, repeat. I'd say, not gonna do that again. Next day, the exact same thing. So that's why I took two years to figure out and research what helps people focus. And I was kind of the guinea pig. And so what we're gonna go through here real quick, and then the best part's the Q&A. So definitely have your questions firing in the chat room or get them ready for Seth, is what, was my learning through the process of writing the book. And most importantly, how can we apply that as miracle workers out there today as meeting professionals? I call it the three Ps because I always ask, so what, now what, when I'm done writing a book? So the three Ps that I learned, it's really, when you think about the three Ps, it's about purpose, process, and then progress. So purpose meaning a lot of us just wrote out our goals for the year. It's 2022, we're kicking things off. But you've got to start with the purpose to have that success, to change that habit, to keep that focus. So, for example, my wife's from Colombia. I've got two daughters, speak Spanish in the house. My Spanish isn't that great. And so the purpose would be I want to learn Spanish. So it could be at the far extreme that if we're traveling to South America, Colombia, there's a situation that if I don't speak Spanish, it might endanger my kids. And so you've got to think about that purpose. Or if you want to say you're focused on getting in better shape, it might be you want to live longer so that you can see your kids, grandkids, whatever it is. It's really about starting with that purpose. You need to have that purpose. Now, this is a great exercise to do as we kick off the new year and everyone's in front of your machine. So if you don't mind, my email address is equalman at equalman.com because I'm going to ask you a question in a second and I want you to submit a one word answer but it's equalman at equalman.com and just type in the subject word, W-O-R-D. So again, equalman at equalman.com, spelled exactly how it sounds, subject word. So the question that I have for all of us when we think about our purpose, and this is a great exercise you can do with your teams as well, but let's start with the highest to high, let's start with you. And the question I have is if someone were to Google your name right now, what's that one word you'd wanna show up? What's that one word you want to show up five seconds from now, five years, 50 years, 500 years, 5,000 years from today? So what's that word that if someone were to know you by that, if they Google searched you, would pop up? And so that's a great exercise. I've asked you to send it in because the research shows if you send it to someone, you're more accountable for it. Uh, but I, thank you for doing that exercise. And just think about that word throughout the rest of the year and always go back to that when you're having a tough day or facing with a, a tough challenge or some other pandemic or part of the pandemic comes out that you can't control, just kind of always go back to what you can control, which is you. 
Uh, it's interesting. I just gave a talk to Xbox yesterday and it was uh, you above all. So a lot of my talks recently have shifted from digital leadership and whether it's Facebook, whether it's Xbox, whether it's State Farm, it's all about the employee, that individual. So that's kind of that shift, but that's that purpose that we're talking about when it comes to that focus. All right, when we look at three, for second one is for process. So you go down, one is your purpose and the second is that process. When we talk to these very successful folks is that they're not better than us from a DNA standpoint at focus. It's not something they inherited. It's just that they have processes in place. They don't rely on willpower for that focus. And the first thing they do is they say no to almost everything. So by saying no, then that allows you to say yes. And so this is, since we have short time, this is a good barometer that I've used that really helps me and hopefully it helps you. We find it helps a lot of people from our research is if it's not a heck yes, then it should be a heck no. Meaning that when someone asks you, there's so many opportunities out there, if it's not a complete heck yes, that it should be a, a heck no. Because what that allows, it allows you in the future to say yes to those big opportunities. And when it comes to that focus, we've got to start thinking big versus busy. Big versus busy. Busy makes us feel good. We get that dopamine hit when we take our emails from 100 to zero, but that's not moving the ball, right? So it's about big versus that busy. Now, last but not least, it's about progress. It's not about perfection. So most of us, we grew up playing a sport or learning to play an instrument or both. And our teacher or our coach always said, practice makes perfect which is perfectly wrong. It should be proper practice leads to progress and improper practice can lead to the wrong kind of permanence or problems. So when we think about the third thing here for focus, it is about progress. It's not about perfection. It's literally about just being 1% better every day, but also know there's gonna be days when you're not 1% better. So give yourself a break. But it's making sure that that curve over time is going up. Even though it's a roller coaster like this, it's as we look across the year, we're kind of going like this up when it comes to that focus. So it's really about that progress over time. So again, the three things I learned, we're going to get into some stories and some specifics, some tactical things that we can do during the Q&A. But I thought that was good just to kind of give us a high level overview in this short amount of time. When it comes to focus, let's start thinking big versus busy. And most importantly, everything starts with you as an individual, and it starts with your story. So make sure that you're stepping into that discomfort, that you're stepping fully into your story. And if you've already stepped into your story, make sure that you're stepping into those biggest, the big chapters of your life. So that's it at a super high level. But here's my favorite part where we kind of get more tactical when it comes to specific things and specific questions that Seth might have or that you might have out there. So thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, the big versus the busy, right? We, we don't wanna be moving the deck furniture, we wanna have progress. So um, that really hit home for me. I just wanna get right into a question here to kick off. You know, in, in the era of homeschooling and a hyper-connected hybrid world, focus is harder than ever. And with the book, you spent two years focusing on getting this number one bestseller book, The Focus Project, out. For you personally, 
what helps the most? Like, what do you use that helps the most? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I could answer this for like 45 minutes, but I'll, I'll just hone in on one thing that I always try to do. And when I say always, there's days when I slip. So sure. keep in mind, there's days when I slip. And then real quick too, is it was a two-year project because the first year I failed five times. I would literally, a lot of you out there, you need to do this. There's that one thing you need to do. And for me, it was, I need to reach out to people so that we can kind of get events. So I go, I'm going to reach out to people. I'm just going to spend 30 minutes reaching out to people a day. And all of a sudden at the end of the month, 17 minutes total on that outreach. And that happened literally five times before it finally clicked in that second year. Uh, but specifically to your question, which piece do I use the most from the research that I found? Some things worked, some didn't. What works for me won't work for you, or it might. But what works best for me is the night before, I determine what's the one thing that'll make everything else either easier or unnecessary the next day. What's the big thing that I need to do? And I write that down. But the other thing I do is each day I'm tracking, was my day a plus one, plus two, plus three? Or was it a minus one, minus two, minus three? But the night before, I actually always write it's going to be a plus three and why. It's letting me plan ahead to focus and make sure there's nothing on my calendar that will deter from that focus. It might have me move a meeting, actually. But I'll look at that and go, it's going to be a plus three because of this, this, and this. Now, that's always the case. I've had my minus twos, my minus threes, and my minus ones. But by tracking it and proactively setting time aside for that big thing, that first 30 minutes in the morning for that big thing, the night before I write it down, that's helped me tremendously. And by tracking that plus one, plus two, plus three, minus one, minus two, minus three each day, is I put a note after each day. So then I start to see a pattern. Sure. So that during the day, I can actually, during my focus, I can pause and go, what am I doing right now? Should I be doing it? And what am I heading for today? All of a sudden, I'm like, wow, this day is a minus two. Okay, how do I get it to just a minus one? Or this day is a plus two. What am I doing right now that's making it a plus two? And so when it comes to focus, sometimes those check-ins really help. But that's at a high level. It's just the night before. What's the one thing that makes everything else either easier or unnecessary? And it, it, it's not only, it, as you say, it's a little bit of a, you know, I wouldn't say it's a Jedi mind trick, but it does establish something the night before you go to bed where you're kind of sealing, setting putting a little bit of a fingerprint on the next day already. Um, but then where you can bring closure to it and uh, give it a score also closes that loop and completes it, regardless of whether it was a plus three or a minus three, um, where you give it a, a sense of completion. Exactly right. Know. And when you think about it, like the miracle workers out there, me professionals, understand too, there's days when I don't even have time to write down, as simple as that sounds, like I didn't go in for two days, right? plus one, plus two, how, how hard is that? But right. we know the space that we're in, it gets crazy. So you also yeah. have to give yourself grace and yeah. understand it's that progress, not that perfection. Right. Progress versus perfection. It's just such a simple phrase, but it really hits home for me. Here's another question that we had that came in. Um, you know, we're, we hear the word great resignation a lot. Uh, teams are dispersed in virtual settings. Um in as meeting planners and as leaders of having a lot, their hands in a lot of different kinds of activities. What's the best way that leaders can check in with their teams now that we're not face to face all the time? There's a lot of ways. I'm going to give you one that's very powerful that we've seen work a lot, a lot across most organizations, including ours here. We have an animation studio. So we check in with, with our animators is 
when you look at it during the pandemic, like I said, the why question's okay, but really what you want to ask is what? Like not why is this happening to me? Like what am I supposed to see here? And so what have we learned that's good that we can use as we move forward? People say, what's it like to go back to work? And no, we're going forward to work, you know? Right. And so when we look right. at that, what's something that we can take that was good that we can not forget and make sure we use moving forward? It's checking in more with people. So historically, in most organizations, you check in once a year and it's tied to your salary. So it's not a good way to check in. Right. So what you want to do is to check in as often as you can, just as simple as how you doing. But don't ask that because that's a general question. It's like if the service said, how's your food? Most people are people pleasers. They say it's good. If you say how you doing, it's good. You got to ask them, how are you doing on a scale of one to 10? And you can't say 10. So all of a sudden, that person say, I'm a seven. You go, how do we get you to 10? Now you've got stuff you can do. Now you're getting insight. Now you're deepening that relationship because all relationships are built on great questions. And so how are you on a scale of one to 10? Now check with your HR department and make sure that you're using your emotional intelligence, your EQ to deal with different people. But in time, start with that. And then as you get better, what you really want to do is ask this question before that. How are you doing in life on a scale of one to 10? Then ask, how are you doing at, example, Equal Man Studios, scale of one to 10? Now you have context. Because before, if you just ask the second question, they say, I'm a three. You're like, oh my gosh, she's our best employee. She's going to leave. Like, what are we doing wrong? Why is she so upset? But then if you ask that previous question, how are you doing in life, one to 10? She's only have a two. How are you doing at Equal Man Studios, one to 10? I'm an eight. Okay. Let's focus on this piece if you're comfortable, right? Because that's a personal thing. So you use right. your emotional intelligence. But right. like I said, it's if you're not whole at home, you're not going to be whole at work. And so that's yeah. a great way. Check in more often, but check in in that way is a good way to test it. How are you doing one to 10? Right. And and it sounds like that that key piece on the personal side is getting permission, you know, to 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 be able to go there with them. Exactly. So, you know, I want I want to I want to keep focus on these meeting professionals as you call them miracle workers they're having to deal with speakers sound lighting food and beverage hotel transportation agenda signage security sound checks all, all, everything that you can imagine is as we've now known them to be miracle workers you know you, you you've spoken in 55 countries 50 million People have 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 seen or or your your speeches, heard your books, your podcasts. From here going forward, what do you see in the you know in the events industry for the next six months or so? Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because I can't I can't predict what's the macro out there, but what I'm seeing is I can it might be helpful because what I'm seeing. So we sat down with Fauci's group and his team. Uh, recently. And so the doctors to support staff and they don't know. So there's no, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to know uh, what's going to happen. But what I am seeing is unless there's a major backlash, like a, an egregious one, if we continue down the path that we are, that it looks like it's becoming more and more benign, that the hope is and that, that the world's going to kind of move forward. And, and so when you think about events, what we're seeing, there's a couple a couple of things we're seeing that are, that are helpful for that. So if you think about the world of sports, if you look at the Super Bowl, is that 
there's possibility they might move the Super Bowl to Texas just because they want to have it go full at what it is. And so you can see that that correlates kind of to the event world. So unless there's something major that happens with the virus, is that there's certain areas that are ready to open up and move forward. And from a company side, we're seeing that as well, because some of the groups that I'm speaking to, some are actually back in the office and some are virtual. Right. And so some of these executives, they're ready to roll too. And so you'll see that hybrid environment. I always say talent's going to dictate what's that new, the future of work. It's not the CEO that's going to say you're working three days a week and these are the days. It's the talent that's going to dictate that. And so everyone's starting to sort of see that. Uh, but the CEOs that we sit down with and that I specifically meet with is that they're starting to see that hybrid model starting to, and they're coming back. So what we're doing on our end from the event perspective is that we're preparing. So we're ready to rock and roll five months from now because it could open up and be big because some yeah. of the companies we're sitting down with is, hey, since we're saving so much money on less office space, when we get together, we're going big. And so that means that's big events. And so right. also it means there's going to be a lot of smaller events that lead up to those big events as well. And so it should be, and I'm a very optimistic guy. I'm a glass 100% full, you know, half oxygen, half water. But <laughs> I think I do strongly believe my hope in all of us, but I think it's going to be rocking and rolling here in six months. And at least you should be prepared for that. So you don't want to be caught flat footed <laughs> to use that sports analogy is you want to, we're getting on our toes right now to be ready for this. Yeah, I, I, I'm optimistic and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of the same. And I think that, uh, meeting professionals have, have expanded their muscle around agility and adaptability and being prepared for various scenarios. And, you know, I think that, um, there is a hunger and there is a real value in getting together in person more than ever. Yeah, we've seen that. I mean, it's funny because before the pandemic, one of my key talking points for digital leadership is that digital leaders aren't digital, meaning that it's a combination of Flintstones and Jetsons. I'm a digital guy. I've been at it for 30 years, but I'm actually indexed more towards the Jetsons side. But it's really that combination of the two. And you use digital when time, distance, and what the pandemic taught us, safety are an issue. So to deepen those relationships. When time, distance, and safety are an issue, deepen those relationships. So that's another learning. Whether you use LinkedIn, what are your favorite tool of choices? A lot of you are joining us via LinkedIn right now. Is that keep that as we move forward? It's that combination of the two. And so for me, it was kind of interesting to watch everything move forward seven years, uh, which was great because everything's kind of. But it's it's painful when you move yeah. that fast. Yeah, that causes sudden sudden pain. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's very interesting to see this this whole thing play out. Yeah, it does. You know, we have I think we have time for two more questions. We have Carlos in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, who asked the question, what are the challenges in having focus in this day and age of social media? Obrigado, Carlos. No, so going back to social, so my first book, for those that don't know, I wrote a book called Socialnomics 11 years ago, and that was basically saying, hey, this isn't for teenagers. So at the time, everyone's saying, why are you writing a book on social media? That's just for teenagers. I was sitting there going, no, 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 this is going to change. MySpace is bigger than Facebook when we wrote this book, just to give some context. And we said, no, it's going to change the way the world votes. It's going to change the way we do business. It's going to change the way everyone communicates. 
And so when we think about focus in this digital world, the reason I wrote the focus project is it's kind of an anti-venom to the first book. Because the first book was like, get on these tools. Then all of a sudden everyone's like, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You are way too far into your phones, everybody. Right. Time to pull back, <laughs> a little more Flintstones. You've gone full Jetsons overnight. Pull back. It's all about focus, people. And it was I was lucky because I'd sit in kind of these board meetings sometimes with these big companies, whether it's a chocolate company or, or a mattress company. And I started to realize, okay, now that they're equipped with the digital leadership capability, now they need to understand. We all need to, how to I need to understand how to focus better because we're hyper-connected. So it's... One of the, here's a tactical tip all you can use. It's called the 20, 20, 20 rule. All of us are consuming more blue light. Right now you're consuming blue light. We're consuming more blue light than ever before. What that causes is eye strain. Inherently, we don't know what that means long-term, but short-term, it causes your eyes to be tired and your whole body to be tired. So to help combat that, what you want to do is take a strategic break every 20 minutes. I had it wrong. I thought, oh, I'm writing a book. All right, I'm going to rock this thing out. Sit here four hours type away. Absolutely not. It's actually taking a strategic break every 20 minutes. So every 20 minutes, can I take that breath and then pause and then move? Motion creates emotion, which creates energy. So stand up, stand up for a minute. Look at least 20 feet in the distance at a fixed object for 20 seconds. So right now I'm looking at a tree that's 20 feet in the distance for 20 seconds. When you do that, that helps reduce your eye strain, which helps increase your productivity and also helps increase your energy. So that's a tactical tip that all of you can try. It's called the 20-20-20 rule. Wow. We could keep going on forever and ever. I love that 20-20-20 uh, and the blue light. And that might explain some of the fatigue that we have in intervening with that right amount of, uh, of break will kind of replenish us Um and, and get us back to focus, which was the whole idea of today. Eric, we're out of time. I just want to thank you. I know for all of those out there uh, who took the time out of the day to focus on this uh, LinkedIn event and, and, and join us for the power of focus for meeting professionals, that if you're interested in you know, working with Eric, you certainly can reach out to the both of us and uh, we'll be sure to... Um, find a way that we could work together. I can't thank you enough, Eric, for being with us and everybody else out there in LinkedIn land. Thank you for joining us. And, um, you know, one last final parting piece of wisdom for us before we sign off. You know, I'm big into superheroes, so we're all superheroes. We just need the courage to wear the cape. And that all starts with focus and starting to step into your story. So feel free to reach out to me. You have my e you have my email, Equal Man, obviously. And so if I can help you in any way, uh, let me know. But hopefully we can partner on something. And uh, thanks for having me here today, Seth. It's always good to see you. And thanks for the friendship and the partnership. And thanks to all of you for joining us here today. You got it. I appreciate it so much. Have a great weekend and uh, we'll see you next time. Five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 you. 